Bibles to the 119th Psalm. We've kind of camped out on Psalm 119 for a few weeks as we've gone through our study in the book of Psalms. We're going to move along next Lord's Day, God willing, and pick up with Psalm 121. This morning is Psalm 119, verses 105 through 112. Psalm 119, beginning with verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and I will confirm it, that I will keep your righteous ordinance. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. O accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. I have inherited your testimonies forever. They are the joy of my heart. I have inclined in my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. Again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask your blessing upon our time together in your word. We thank you for these opportunities every Lord's Day morning. Uh, to open your word, to read it, to study it, to ponder it. And I pray that, again, as always, the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. Father, you would take the words of this mere man and you would use them effectively. The hearts and lives of your people who come to hear of Christ, to learn of him growing their faith in him and the love for him. We pray that even in the Old Testament text, we might be pointed to Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, as we've seen, Psalm 119 really is all about the Bible. I pointed out that uh, this is a long psalm, but almost every verse, every verse except five, mentions the Word of God in some specific way. There are a number of different ways in which the Bible is referred in this psalm. It's called his law, his precepts, his commandments, his testimonies, his ordinances, his word, his statutes, his judgments. It's now, as I mentioned, my fifth sermon in this one psalm. We've kind of camped out here for a little while. We began with an overview, didn't we? Talking about the beauty of the Bible, just kind of looking at this psalm as a whole, seeing how beautiful. This psalm describes God's word to be. Then we looked at the blessing of the Bible, or, or how the keeping God's word, living by the Bible, is the true path to blessing for the life of the believer. And then we looked at the protection of the Bible. That is how the prote- Bible protects us from temptation and sin. How it protects us from wandering away from God and His truth. Last week it was the importance of the Bible. We saw how we show that the Bible is important to us by loving it, by obeying it, and by delighting in it as well. This section, as we go through these verses, I'm going to look particularly at the guidance of the Bible. The Bible is to be our guide in every area of life. As we go through this section, I'm going to rely heavily this morning on the outline by James Boyce, beloved, late 
preacher from 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Rely heavily on his outline this morning. Commentary on the Psalms was a rich study in itself. We'll go through through verse by verse this morning. We see first, the Bible guides us in the way we should live. We're talking about the way the Bible guides us in different areas of life. In verse 105, we see that the Bible is our guide in life or in how we should live. This is one of the most familiar verses in the Bible, isn't it? Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. We sang it earlier. My word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The Bible is our guide to show us how we should live. The wording in this particular verse is common language for the way that we live our lives. You know, the Christian life is often in the Bible described as a walk. Uh, it says we are to walk or we are to live in the ways of the Lord in obedience to God's word. Here our psalm in verse 105 refers to my feet and to my path. My feet being that with, with that which I use to walk and my path being where I walk. Just look in this psalm, for example, flip back with me to verse 32 to see how this um, same kind of language is used. Psalm 119, verse 32. It says, I shall run in the way of your commandments. Not walking, but running. Verse 35. Give me understanding that I may observe your law. I'm sorry, that's verse 34. Verse 35. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. And then if you look over to Psalm 16, or back to Psalm 16. In verse 11, it says, You will make known to me the path of life. You know, in the 23rd Psalm, the psalmist says, He guides me in what? The paths of righteousness. If you go to Psalm 25, In verse 4, make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. In, in the New Testament, often it speaks of how we're to walk in the ways of God, to walk in the Spirit, to walk as children of light, to be careful how we walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And so the Christian life is described as a walk. And here, the psalmist says that God's word is a, a lamp, a light to illumine the path on which we walk as believers. Now, obviously in this verse also, there's the motif of darkness and light. It is also a very, very important theme in the Bible. The world is described as a dark place. The light of Christ, the light of God's Word, shines brightly into the darkness of this world, you know, in prophesying of the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Jesus said, men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. And in Acts 26, when Paul was talking about his own call to the ministry, 
He said he was sent to preach to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. Again, here in verse 105 of our text, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. When you need a lamp, you need a light. Only when you're in the darkness, you don't shine a flashlight in the daytime. These lights in our parking lot are set to come on when it gets dark, and they go off when it gets light. That's because we don't need extra light in the daytime. The mere fact that God's Word is a lamp and a light indicates to us that we live in a dark we live in a dark world and we need something to show us where to walk where the path is where that straight and narrow way is that God calls upon us to follow and it is God's word that guides us it's God's word that guides us in showing us how to live it is the lamp it is the light that shows us path on which we should go the second we see that the Bible guides us in righteous behavior. Verse 106, I have sworn, and now will confirm it, that I will keep your righteous ordinances. That verse, of course, ties in closely what we just saw about walking in the right path, path of obedience. Now, to acknowledge that the Word of God is your lamp, or your light is one thing. To swear that you will walk in that light and by that lamp is something else. Isn't it? And that's what the psalmist does here. He takes an oath. He takes a vow. He says, I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinance. Now, to swear to something is extremely serious. You know, God takes a vow. Extremely serious. That's why we need to be careful before we make any vow. But it's a marriage vow. God takes marriage vows extremely serious. Whether it's church vow. When you join the church, you take vow. Be faithful to life and the work of the church to support it to the best of your ability. God takes that vow seriously. Make vows to the bank. You borrow money. You, you you sign a note saying, "I promise, I vow, I swear, I'll pay this money back." Same way with your credit card. You you make a vow that you will pay that money back that you have borrowed. God takes vows seriously. And here the psalmist is taking an oath. He's making a vow. He says, I have sworn. He says, I don't just acknowledge that, that God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, but I've sworn to God that I will live by it. I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinance. God's word shows us what those righteous 
ordinances are. You know, God's ordinances, His law, His commandment, His precept, His judgment, are always true, and they're always right. They're right. They're the right way to live. Thomas says, I've sworn that I will keep them. And it is God's word that shows us what they are and how to live by them. Third, we see that the Bible guides us in our times of suffering. Verse 107, I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. You know, we all go through times of suffering, don't we? Sometimes it's physical suffering caused by an injury or an illness. Sometimes it's emotional suffering caused by loneliness, death, broken relationship. Sometimes it's spiritual suffering. God brings us under His heavy hand of discipline when we've gone astray, seeking to bring us back to the path of obedience. We don't know what the psalmist affliction with his suffering was here but it was obviously heavy because he says I am exceedingly afflicted or literally I have suffered much it's, it's the Bible that guides us in those times of suffering isn't it it's the Bible that shows us that no matter what our suffering is God has a purpose no matter what our suffering might be, God has a plan in it. Notice what he says here in the text. I am exceedingly afflicted. Then he says, revive me according to your word. We are revived or renewed in our times of suffering by the truth and the promises we find in the word of God. You all know that my wife's been through a time of affliction lately. And yet, I can testify on her behalf that she has daily been revived. As the text says, she's been revived according to God's Word. From the, from the initial trip to the emergency room, to her recovery even to today. People kind of scratch their heads at her composure, at her faith, and her submission to the Lord's will in her life hadn't been the first complaint, hadn't been the first why me, hadn't been the first woe is me. How do you come to that place in your life? Only by being revived according to God's word, living your life according to the truth that we find in it. Fourth, we see that the Bible guides us in proper worship. Verse 108, Oh, accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. That verse talks about two things. It talks about praising God with our mouths, giving to Him the freewill offerings of our mouths, and then being taught God's ordinance. How do we know the proper and the right way to worship? It is by being guided by God's word. He not only tells us that we are to worship, he also instructs us on how we are to worship. If the Bible is clear about one thing, it is that worship is to be all about God. Worship is to be 
God-centered and not man-centered. And what I mean by that is this. The important thing about worship is not how it makes me feel, but how it glorifies God. The important thing about worship is not my entertainment, but the glory of God Himself. Worship is about our giving to God the free will offerings of our mouths in praise, and then also being instructed by His truth as well. That's why our worship service is designed the way that it is. I was talking, I was reading an article earlier this week about reformed worship and one of the characteristics of reformed worship is its simplicity you know when you boil it down our worship is pretty simple isn't it we do the two things that are noted in this verse we offer to God the free will offerings of our of our mouths we we sing hymns of praise and glory and adoration and honor to Him. We pray, exalting Him, giving Him the free will offerings of our mouths. I'm blessed every Lord's Day by Mason's invocation, which is an exaltation, a free will offering of the mouth of praise to God. Then we read God's Word together. Then we sit for His Word, being instructed by it. Free will offerings of our mouths and being taught His ordinances. That's what worship is about. That is what it is to be. The Bible guides us in the way we are to worship. And then fifth, we see that the Bible guides us in times of danger. Verse 109. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. That that phrase in verse 109, my life is continually in my hand, is kind of like the kind of the takeoff on that we we say. You know, we often say, I'm taking my life in my own hand. If you tell someone you're taking your life in your own hands. That indicates an element of danger, doesn't it? You're taking a risk. Taking your life in your own hands indicates that you're kind of doing this on your own and you're, you're going off in dangerous territory. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. My life is in my hands. I talked earlier about different kinds of suffering. Physical suffering. Emotional suffering spiritual suffering. All those different kinds of danger. Physical danger. Emotional danger. Spiritual danger. Sometimes when the psalmist in the Bible talks about danger, it talks about physical danger. Sometimes it refers to emotional danger. And most often when the Bible talks about danger, it talks about spiritual danger. Because there's a real enemy is a threat to our spiritual lives every day. Here in this psalm, the two are combined, the physical and the spiritual, where he says, my life is continually in my hand. That's the physical danger. Yet, he says, I have not gone astray from your precepts. 
He says, there's an even greater danger than any physical danger I may expect. But my life being in my hands, that is that I would turn away from your law. He said, I will not do that. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28? He said, do not fear those who are able to kill the body, not to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The greatest dangers that we face in life are our spiritual dangers. Now, we do all kinds of things to protect ourselves physically, don't we? We need to make sure that we're taking care to protect ourselves spiritually as well. And it is the Bible that enables us to do that. Sixth, we see the Bible guides us when we face our enemies. Verse 110, The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone away from your precepts. And again, this ties in closely with the previous verse in verse 109. Much of the danger that we face in life, again, comes from what we perceive to be enemies. We've got enemies out there, don't we? We've got physical enemies that attack our bodies. Germs, viruses, infections, malignancies, other ailments. And we do our best to guard ourselves against them. Well, that we would do as well. Guarding our soul against the greatest enemy. The evil one. Temptation. Sin. Spiritual malaise. Lack of confession. Failure to deal with sin. Reluctance to look in our spiritual mirror and see ourselves as we really are. Even the hardness of heart present a real danger to our soul. He says in our text, the wicked have laid a snare for me. The wicked have laid a snare for me. He doesn't have to refer to wicked people. I would ask you this morning, name one wicked person in your life who's laid a snare for you. I would imagine most of you couldn't think of anybody who's laid a snare for your soul. Remember, the greatest enemy of your soul is the wicked one himself. And make no mistake about it, he lays traps and snares for your soul every Folks, Living the Christian life is kind of walking through a mind. And you've got to be so careful because there are traps and there are snares laid by the evil one all over the place. How do we know how to avoid those traps and snares? It is again by being guided by the truth of God's holy word. There's so many people who disregard clear dangers and warnings and they go right over the spiritual cliff anyway oh that we be true to God's word and avoid those dangers then seventh we see the Bible guides us to our true inheritance verse 11, 111 I have inherited your testimonies forever 
for they are the joy of my heart. He talks about the Bible being our inheritance. Ah, an inheritance. Some of you are really looking forward someday to your inheritance. Nothing to compare with the spiritual inheritance that we have. The Bible says in a sense that that the Bible itself is the down payment on the great inheritance that we have laid up in heaven for us. That's one of the greatest blessings of the Christian life, isn't it? That there's something more, so much more, so much better than life here. Look, life can be tough, can't it? Some of you here this morning are going through difficult, hard times of life. And the Bible says that those hard times of life for the believer, they make us anticipate the, the glories of heaven when the restrictions, the restraints of this life are set aside and the frailties of this body are no more, when the temptations we face every day are past and no longer do we have to worry about those snares and those traps of the wicked one. But we'll be with Jesus forever in our inheritance that He's prepared for us, enjoying it for all eternity. We have an inheritance. How can you know that inheritance is yours? How do you know it will be there for you? This is the down payment on your inheritance. I have inherited your testimony forever. For they are the joy of my heart. That's how you can tell. Are his testimonies the joy of your heart? I I said earlier in the study of this psalm that one of the reasons we love the Bible so much is because it's here that we meet God. It's here that He reveals Himself to us in His Holy Word. And for a believer, meeting with God is a source of real joy, isn't it? Why, for the believer, His Word is a source of joy for us. hard to say that we have joy in the greater inheritance. We don't have joy in the lesser. And seventh, excuse me, eighth. No, seventh is right. We see that the Bible guides us to faithfulness. Verse 112. I am inclined my heart to perform your statutes. forever even to the end I don't know of a better statement of assurance of salvation and commitment to Christ than that I've inclined my heart to perform your statutes even to the end endurance Jesus says, he who endures to the end will be saved. 
And the psalmist says, I've inclined my heart to perform your statutes, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but I've inclined my statutes for my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. What a statement of faith. I perform, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever. And if that wasn't clear enough, he says, even to me. That kind of resolve is what God is looking for. And again, it's the Bible gives us that resolve. I hope you see this morning that the Word of God touches every area of your life. The way that you live, how you deal with suffering, the way that you worship, the way that you deal with temptation, your sense of faithfulness and commitment to God, your appreciation of inheritance that you have, touches every area of your life. And if you're not living by this lamp and this light, then the Bible says you're walking in darkness walking aimlessly. You're not sure where to go, how to go. You lose your sense of direction, your sense of bearing. It is, folks, God's Word. It is our lamp and our light that guides us in every area of life. And we're to keep it even to the end. To the end. greatest goal in life is to know Jesus, love Jesus, serve Jesus, worship Jesus, and to be with Jesus forever. That's the end. God help Live by the light might be led every day closer and closer. Lord God, thank you so much for the truth of your word and we pray your blessing upon that to which we've been exposed this morning. We pray that the Holy Spirit would take it, use it in our hearts. And Father, if anyone's here this morning who finds themselves kind of cut off from all this, a stranger to it, I pray that you would touch their heart might open their eyes and see the truth of the gospel. Praise Jesus as their own. We pray this in his name. Amen.